Hey, if you want to know how to evolve, upgrade yourself, change yourself, overcome belief systems, develop new belief systems, embed new habits and behaviors so that you become a far better wealth creator, business person, investor, or just being a better human being. You're going to want to watch this week's show or listen to it if you're listening to it via the podcast. I plan to share a lot of very deep insight. And remember, I've worked with thousands upon thousands of people very deeply within their psyches. So I've got lots to share on the subject. See on the inside. Hi and welcome to this week's show. So why would you want to change? Why would you want to upgrade yourself? Well, I'm sure most of you listening or watching this already have your reasons for wanting to change because most people that are around me are interested in upgrading themselves or evolving themselves as business owners, as investors, and as human beings doing life. But let's just imagine you don't have that drive because there are plenty of people that don't. Well, we sort of come into this world with a whole bunch of beliefs and behaviors that have been passed down to us through genetics from previous generations. And after working very closely with people, I can see that previous generations' belief systems that have come out of certain social or cultural or environmental situations get passed down. So we've all had ancestors that have been in wars, have struggled financially because of economic circumstances. And those beliefs get passed down to us And those beliefs shape how we think, how we feel, how we act, and how we behave. We also know when we come into this world, we take on not only the genetic um, drivers, as I've just mentioned, but we take on the thought forms and the viewpoints of the people around us, especially our parents. And our parents, from a child's eyes, are like gods. So archetypically, we are born and we look at mum and dad and we go, oh, wow, they're the giver of life. Everything about my universe revolves around them and how I please them. If I please them, I'm going to get fed. I'm going to have a roof over my head. I'm going to survive. So if mum's smiling at me, it means I'm going to get fed and and I'm going to feel warm and get cuddled. And if I don't please them, I'm deeply afraid that I won't be looked after. I, I, I won't survive because I won't be fed. I won't have a roof over my head. So we tend to conform 
to the belief systems and value structures of our parents. We do what they want us to do for the most part. And the things that we do that get us shamed, that get us in trouble, get repressed or pushed outside of our conscious awareness. Now, I'll be talking about that a little bit further into this podcast, but you can already see that we're born with this programming and then we are being programmed from the people around us. Now, for the most part, and I'll just concentrate on wealth here at the moment. Um, For the most part, we have grown up in families that have a lot of what we call anti-wealth belief systems. In fact, cultures are riddled with anti-wealth belief systems. I just got off working with a client in my Breakthrough Profit Workshop, which is a one-on-one workshop where I work with uh, one of my coaches, Georgina Coma, and myself with the client. And we break the person up. We, we really start to pull them apart so they can see all the different parts of their personality. And we help them see the belief systems that exist on the unconscious level outside of their awareness that are undermining their wealth creation behaviors. And this particular person that I was just working with, she grew up in a farming environment. She's a property investor. She's a pro- property renovator, but she and she's probably around in her 40s, young family. But she grew up in a farming environment and her father worked seven days a week and was kind of bitter and angry and everything was about survival, which is easy to understand. If you grow up on a farm um, and there's a drought, you know, you, you're constantly on edge. Like, what's going to go next? I've, I've got to be hypervigilant. I, 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 I can't relax. It could be a fire. Uh, farming's notorious for being impacted by things outside of our control, like the weather. So growing up around the father who was always uptight, a bit angry, uh, meant that she had a belief system at the unconscious level that said money is hard to come by. The second belief system was you have to work really, really hard and never rest and stay hypervigilant or you could lose all your money. So this particular person is an anxious person. Truth is, right, she is well off, comfortable, no risk of uh, being poor. But she still has this anxiousness and she still works far too much because the unconscious belief system is a rule structure within her psyche that must drive her behaviors. And she inherited that belief system. So the belief system that worked for the father on the farm, because it was an advantageous to have the belief system, look, you can't rest, you've got to keep on top of things, okay? Is a belief system that is undermining her health, her peace of mind, and her ability to create wealth. And we'll explain a bit more about that in a moment. 
So you can see that often the belief systems that we inherit don't serve us now. So when those belief systems we inherit don't serve us now, we call them sabotages. So again, back to that example, this particular lady, this gets kind of interesting, and well, I think it is, is she... I said to her, I could see anyway, I knew she, she's a person that doesn't have a lot of fun. Her, her spirit was kind of subdued. And of course it is, right? Because remember what that belief system was, you know. You've got to stay vigilant. You can't, you can't lose control. You've got, you, you, you've got to be hypervigilant because you could just lose all your money. That was the belief system inherited from the father on the farm. So, of course, there's no fun there. That belief system, by default, means that she's going to be on edge and won't relax. So, of course, that's going to run down her immune system. It will downgrade her ability to think effectively and properly. And also with that other belief system, you've got to work really, really hard just to survive. That was the other belief system. I don't think I mentioned that before. means that she will naturally unconscious, unconsciously gravitate towards hard work now i've got nothing against hard work but if you work smart first then your hard work is put to good use building an asset that will make money for you so you don't have to work right (laughs) that's what we do with our, our business clients we're helping them build businesses that run independently of them our investors we're helping them set up properties and investments so that they're earning income without having to work but if but she's got this hard work script and so if you've got a hard work script about surviving your unconscious will find things that are hard work and it will confirm that that belief system is true now, this comes down to what we call confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is uh, just, just, just a fact. It's like a, go and read any brain science or any of the psychological sciences about confirmation bias. Confirmation bias works in this way. Your brain is wired in such a way that you will see and gravitate towards things that confirm your beliefs to be true and will ignore or repel experiences and knowledge that proves your belief systems to be wrong. And that's dangerous, right? And we live in a world now where we've got Facebook and Google constantly reinforcing that. So people live in uh, what we call closed feedback loops. You know, if you're a left-wing person, you're constantly being bombarded with left-wing information because that's what Google and uh, Facebook will do to you. If you're right-wing, you're going to constantly be bombarded with right-wing information and right-wing viewpoints. So whatever your interests are, Google know, and they keep feeding that to you. That may not be the best thing for you. I like to explore things that are outside of my belief systems. In fact, I've just done a podcast, and you'll see this on my personal Facebook page, with a young genius. He's 13 years of age. Why do I... Do a podcast with a young genius. Well, I do a podcast with a young genius because he's on the cutting edge. He's 13 years old. He's a he's studying to be a genetic engineer. He's on the cutting edge of, of everything. Physics, philosophy. 
And so he takes my mind to the edge. He keeps taking me past what I believe to be true. When you live in a closed feedback loop, you are just confirming and staying where you are and not questioning or critiquing your own belief systems. And then, as I said before, you've got what we call the confirmation bias, which is just a natural phenomenon of how the brain works, which is your agenda is to prove your beliefs to be true. So again, we come back to wealth creating and you're walking around with, I've got to work really hard just to survive. And there is a really amazing opportunity over there to make money, I guarantee. And I see this all the time, and it's really hard to explain, unless you can see what I can see when I'm working with people, that that, that person won't even see it. It's like outside of the, the viewpoint of their belief system, based on confirmation, by they won't even see the easy money-making opportunity. Now, let's take this sideways. This particular person as well, when she grew up... Um, I, actually, I've worked with a couple of farming clients who have had this, this same experience. I said, when if you were like really, really happy and running around and, and full of joy, what would your dad do? And she said, I, he'd be really annoyed at us, right? <laughs> and I knew this, like the father would be resenting. He's like working really hard and he's out there coming home grumpy and angry and the kids are having fun. Right? And so he would project his anger out onto them. And, and so she ended up with this belief system that said, it's wrong to have fun. If I, if I have fun, it means that I'm not being serious and it means that I'm hurting my family. That was the belief system. So again, with that belief system, she gravitates towards work that isn't fun, right? And she, as we started to dig into it, she starts to feel guilty when she has too much fun. So I don't need to go any further with that example. You sort of get it. It's Again, it's what gets passed through the genetics and the environment you're in. You get bombarded and conditioned with all these belief structures. Now, there's two things to say about that, first of all. Um, I'll bring this back to me. I, I don't want to be a slave to other people's viewpoints. So if I don't want to be a slave to other people's viewpoints, I'm going to have to find out what viewpoints are actually mine. What belief systems are mine? Okay? Which ones were I just given to from my parents? That might be a wise thing to do, wouldn't it? Find out what you really believe. So so to, to find out what you really believe means you've got to start to inspect your belief systems. Where do they come from? How do they serve me? How do they sabotage me? How do they limit me? So we'll get into in a moment how you start to identify these belief systems. But let's just stay with if with this present subject, like if, if I want to be a free individual, if I want to be a powerful individual, uh, that would mean that I have to unshackle myself from beliefs that aren't mine because then I'm not free to be me. I'm just being what other people have told me I'm supposed to be. That means I'm not going to follow my own path or have my own viewpoints. And secondly, <clears throat> most people aren't powerful. And we'll talk about what powerful means in a moment. Most people aren't powerful 
And therefore, I'm absorbing the belief systems of people that aren't powerful. So if I want to be powerful, I need to see which of those belief systems disempower me. To me, that would just be a wise thing to do. Wouldn't you agree? And I take this deeper into that. <clears throat> I believe, and I believe this through my own work on myself and through my work with clients, that we all have a path that is ours. So when we can tap into the path that's uniquely ours and, and live that out, then we're living a life that's deeply fulfilling to us. We're living a life that is we were designed for. And so we have alignment and congruency with ourselves. So again, most people don't have that because they've been conditioned by all the people they've grown up around and they're following the dictates of those value systems and belief systems uh, not who they are and and not their life you know typically you'll see someone follow the family line right and what they do i mean again right, i'll bring it back to the lady i was working with this morning she's easy easy and immediate to come to mind she loves creating she loves art she loves yeah, being a creative human being making things beautiful right she spends no time doing it. None. Or very, very limited. And again, the conditioning when she grew up was don't do anything that doesn't make you useful for making money and doing all that creative stuff is just a waste of time. So she grew up <laughs> disconnected from who she really is, which is the creative feminine because of the conditioning and when I was working with her and I'd get her to talk about some of her creative pursuits even as a, as a property as a renovator she loved renovation work why because she loved getting to run down properties and she'd have a creative vision for how beautiful she could make them and then she'd build them and do them up and get, get people in and she'd make these beautiful properties that she could then on sell. But she just loved creating that beauty, creating that, that creative vision. And she would smile when I got her to talk about it. She would glow. All her defense mechanisms would drop and she would just be alive. <laughs> Again, she does very, few, very little amounts of it because she, she was taught when she was younger... Don't follow your creativity. Okay, creativity is for, you know, for idiots. It's not going to make you money, which is not true. But that was the conditioning she grew up with. And, you know, in all credence to her parents, from a farmer's perspective, that creativity isn't going to help us survive. We now live in a modern world where people pay really good amounts for creative people, right? So, again, by being able to thread through where did that conditioning come from? Why do I think this way? Is that true for me? What is it that I really, really want to do? What is it that I really love? We start to come into alignment with who we are. And then we go into what we call self-actualization. So you often hear self-actualization 
uh, communicated, probably less so now, but self-actualization is a really good word. What does self-actualization mean? Self-actualization means that you live out your highest potentials. So if you're an artist, you're taking your art to that edge. If you're an academic, you're taking the academic to an edge. You are fulfilling yourself, taking who you are to its edge. That starts to create power. So as an example, when I'm working with this lady today, I'm in joy when I'm working with her. I'm in joy when I'm doing this right now. Okay, Because at an early age, I thread through my programming that I inherited and I worked out well, what I was told I was and what I'm supposed to be um, and the type of person I'm supposed to be in this life and the roles I'm supposed to play were nothing more than a projection of my parents and, and the value structures of the society that I grew up in. And I rejected that and went in and I went, no, you know what? I really love communicating with people. I really love human behavior. I love business. And I have a real gift of reading people. My ability to read people is insane. I don't even say that egoically. It just is. I'm not really able to help people because they don't have to spend ages of working with coaches who... Nothing against the coaches, they just don't have that skill set where I'm able to see what's going on for that person deeply in their unconscious. And I don't tell them because that doesn't help them. I help them see. So I ask questions. I show when they defend or are protecting themselves from the truth. And that helps them uncover what they haven't been seeing about themselves but is undermining their ability to build highly successful businesses be powerful investors or just powerful people in life. So that's, for me, living out my, my gift, what I'm here to do. And I only got to that point, as I said, by working out everything that I was told to be was a projection of the value systems of my parents and the society at that point in time. Another reason that we do personal development work as I said before, certain belief systems dumb down intelligence. And it's really hard for me to explain this, as I said before. I just see it all the time. Because of, of belief systems and, and confirmation bias, which is the brain must prove to you that your belief systems are right, so it seeks evidence and pushes away anything that counters that viewpoint, you end up in a very limited locked-down state. And from that limited lockdown state, limited in lockdown because of the belief systems, the brain doesn't work effectively. One of the things that's really quite fascinating is as we do quite deep uh, personal development work, we are learning to sort of observe all these belief systems. We're, we're, we're learning to observe the personality as a structure. I'll get into that in a second. And... We start to question our belief systems. We start to counter our belief systems. Now, this work, when we do that, is starting to pull apart all our programming. It's actually starting to pull apart the structure of our ego. Now, as we start to pull apart the structure of our ego, of our personality, we become looser and what happens is that we actually increase in intelligence, in in or I could say that we open up to having far greater access to 
information, um, new things, new ways of thinking. We, we tend to evolve and upgrade just quite naturally once we start confronting the belief structures of the ego. Now, I just want to come back to this for a second. So you're hearing me talk about the personality structure and the ego. So when we start to look at the personality structure and ego, a really good way of, of communicating about this is that your uh, personality is made up of parts. These parts are called subpersonalities. And th this is a brilliant model to work with. We, we take all our entrepreneurial clients through quite rigorous training and understanding all their subpersonalities because this develops high levels of self-knowledge. So this is for people that are in our Ignite programs, etc. Business Mastery program. They're, they're, we're really helping them understand these different parts that make up their personality. So what I mean by parts, well, I'll just use one from me. Um, you know, I, I love playing rugby. For, you know, like, uh, I grew up in, uh, in around a lot of violence. Um, and so my way of protecting myself where I grew up was to develop a very violent part of me. And that violent part of me allowed me to have power where I grew up. So I'm a little guy. And I grew up in an area where there's lots of big people. And this part of me would fight the big guys. And because I would fight the big guys, and this part of me had a lot of rage, and it wasn't scared. Other parts of me were scared, by the way. But this part wasn't scared. It would take me over, and I'd be like Red Bull Mist. All, all the big guys in the area, they um, left me alone because I was a mad dog. That's the energy of this rage, this blind rage, this violent part of me. And so that violent part of me helped me survive and thrive in my upbringing. And at a certain age, I was in a lot of trouble for violent offending and uh, I went, you know, I always remember I was in um, this sort of anger management thing at Borstal and Borstal is New Zealand's version of Juvie here in Australia. Um, and I remember being in there with all the gang members and going, you know, I, I, gotta, I, I, I can see where this is going. I, I've got to change my life. And if you've ever seen New Zealand gangs and gang members, you, you know, it's a bit of a wake-up call. Is that really where I want to go? Is this, a, is this, is, is this where, <laughs> where I'm going to be? And so with that violent part, okay, so it's just a part of me. There was another part of me, going back then, that was like, I don't want to be this way. So there's two parts, the violent part, and there was another part. Just take this forward a little bit so you can start to understand this. So I played rugby, or, and playing rugby, this aggressive or violent part of me, it wasn't out there hitting people or what have you, but it loved tackling. It loved being tackled. It really loved that sort of physical brutalness of the game. Now, if I brought that part back to my family, that would be a sabotage. Because that would be an out-of-control part. Well, that part wouldn't suit what was required to be successful as a family man. So, as a rugby player, this part supported me. It made me a reasonably decent rugby player. 
It helped me in that area. This part too, this is important. I want to stay with this for a bit because you'll see why in a second. This part too, this uh, aggressive violent part, I never wanted to get rid of it because everyone comes to me and they say, I need to get rid of this, right? No, you don't. If you get rid of any part of you, you're going to lose its benefits. So yes, this violent aggressive part, when I was younger, it really served and supported me, but also I did some things that aren't particular, I'm not particularly proud of. But I didn't want to get rid of it. I wanted to use this part wisely. So this part has been used in my past to protect my family, which is what we might consider the right use of the violent part. I also have a very gentle part that's called the lover connector. And this lover connector, growing up, my lover connector was buried. And I'm telling you this for good reason, because we'll be, we'll be working with what gets buried um, a little bit later in this. So this soft part, this, <laughs> this, uh, uh, this lover connector part, was buried growing up. Right? If you grew up in my culture with that soft, sensitive part, that loved connecting and was gentle, oh, jeez, you wouldn't survive it. You'd be given such a hard time. You just, you just couldn't survive the macho, the macho, the macho-ness where I grew up, which just meant that right from a young age, that part was buried because I would be shamed for it. Public displays of affection. You don't have public displays of affection. Right? That would be shamed. So that's that part of it, the, the lover part. Okay? <laughs> it was more okay to fight where I grew up than it was to, to, to you know, ex- be an overt expressor of love for someone, as an example. Now, it's not that uh, suddenly when I got older, those parts um, just were created in me. As I got older, those parts, because I was in safer and different environments, were able to come out of what we call the shadow or out of the unconscious. But to that point, if you ask me at 16 or 17, do you have a lover connector? Are you gentle and soft? I would have said there's no way because that part had been repressed. So we also know in the conditioning process that parts that weren't approved of where you grew up get pushed down, get rejected. And here's a problem. See, people don't even know themselves. So they're disconnected from all sorts of parts of themselves and they don't even know that they have them, but they're still there. I mean, that's not wise. That doesn't, that doesn't help you develop self-mastery or evolve. To develop self-mastery and evolve, you need to know about all the parts in you, even the parts you have pushed away. Now, again, just to show you how this might work, um, where I grew up, or for a male, or the, the supposedly coward, weak, and... Uh, soft, compassionate parts were repressed, pushed away out of consciousness because you had to play some weird view of what a man was supposed to be, to be accepted. Um, I have lived in the opposite areas. I lived in a a very hippie area in uh, Hawaii. I've lived in very hippie areas in Australia, up the north coast. And... (laughs) You know, a young boy might be growing up with in one of the families up north or in, in, in some of the places on Maui and Oahu that I lived with these sort of 
more softer, connected types as parents. And if the little boy's showing aggression, um, the child would be shamed. If, if the child is, is showing selfishness or any of those types of behaviors that were kind of aggrandized in some way where I grew up, in, in those cultures, those parts would be shamed and that those parts would be disconnected so they might get rid of their their killer and their hunter. Now, let's talk about the killer and hunter. The killer and hunter, they go in for the prey. So as business people, they're really important parts to have because a hunter, very masculine orientation, doesn't mean male or female, by the way, masculine versus feminine. It's the energy of it. The masculine, extroverted, out there, hunter. I'm going for the kill. So oftentimes I have worked with males that have grown up around uh, in those types of areas and they just don't have that killer instinct now the killer instinct anyone that's playing at the top level of sport anyone that's playing at the top level of business or investing has the killer instinct it it, it is a a masculine hunter energy that's just committed so those types of uh, parts would get repressed in in those more sort of green-leaning, liberal, what I mean liberal party, but liberal thinking areas where machoism and aggression and uh, those kind of overt displays of masculinity are are frowned upon. So, So coming back to where I was going, so that gentle part of me, as an example, my family will really know that gentle part of me. I think actually one of my youngest sons, um, I remember he was really surprised when he left home and uh, I was crying, bawling my eyes out when my younger son was leaving home. And, you know, they kind of laugh at that because he's just like, Dad, he's just become such a soppy, uh, loving mess when anyone in the family's hurt or <laughs> there's changes in the family. And so this gentle part of me, it's coming out in the family environment. If I took that to the rugby field, it would just be like, Oh my God. Okay. And this is, this is what gets really interesting because the more you see yourself, you realize the polarities within you, the dichotomies in you. Here's this guy called Perry. He's got less so as I get older. And of course, my testosterone is, I'm 53 now. So that's lowering. So it's also aiding this, but that aggressive, uh, violent part, uh, <laughs> that in many ways hasn't been afraid of a lot of very strong, heavy duty physical interaction and violence is in the same body that's got this real gentle part that can't stand violence or, or, or people being hurt, okay? And, and, and you see the more inner work that you do that you really see these, you, you do have all these polarities within you. And by the way, that makes you a way more effective person, way more. So the moment that you have been brought up in and, and sort of gotten rid of parts of you, you can't relate to those parts. You're actually judging those parts, pushing them down. And uh, you'll see that in the outside world. So the more judgmental you are as a person, if you're listening or watching this, the more judgmental you are, the more you don't like people out there for whatever they're doing, that means that you have that on the unconscious level. And a lot of people are going to hate that when I say it, but it's actually fact. I've done this work for years. Right? If, if you have done a lot of deep inner work, you've met all the different parts in you, you've uh, seen all the array of humanity and what gets expressed in humanity within your own consciousness, and you've accepted it and you're okay with that, 
which means you have a heart for yourself and you tend to walk around and you have a heart for other people. So again, right, uh, anyone that's gossiping, anyone that's judging, uh, you, well, you're not particularly evolved, I can tell you that. Um, not your fault, and that's not a judgment, but it is a lower form of living. It will impact your immune system. That ruins your immune system, by the way, impacts your health, impacts your peace of mind, and it's actually a self-justification technique because of what you have in the unconscious that you have not resolved yet. Or well, I know that's getting a bit complex, but anyway. Okay, so coming back to, because I've got some things I want to cover here. I don't, I'm getting it going a slow way. Um, so the parts. Now, these parts that we have, my gentle part and my violent part, since that's what we've been talking about, have completely different belief systems. So my gentle part believes everyone should be looked after, love's the most important thing, connection's the most important thing, deep respect for others, where the violent part, not at all, couldn't care less about others. It, it just cares about protecting what it needs to protect, whether that's me, whether that's my family, or that violent part could be used to seek out revenge if someone uh, was to hurt me or my family and what would happen for me is I would struggle with that because another part would say Perry don't go revenging there's another way by the way just quickly if you are a revenge person um, you will get stuck in a cycle where you'll go to revenge you'll attract the same thing again or similar and you'll attract the same thing again uh, I'm not going to get into why that happens um, but not in this podcast, some later podcast I will, or another show that I'm doing. But the the uh, the reason for that, by the way, is if you're able to forgive, you tend to evolve and move on. But again, I don't want to get into that much. So these different parts have different belief systems. So all the parts, so we have, you probably have around 20 or 30 Parts that are extremely sort of dominant that will come in and out of you as you go about your day. As an example, you might have your achiever part. The achiever part says, I've got to get there and kick those goals. You know, uh, I've got to go and do this and I've got to do that. And then you, you've got another part, the being part that says, oh, I just like relaxing and lazing around. You might have a clown part. You might have a social butterfly part. You might have a hermit part. So all these parts will come in and out of you during the day. You might have the inner accountant part. The inner accountant's looking at the money all the time and checking checking the details and looking at the books. Okay, you might have an entrepreneurial part that's really creative. So all these parts we play, so you have about 20 or 30 of these different parts. And you have, you've probably got, like I've, I've met hundreds of different parts but as I said, within my own consciousness, but you'll see maybe 20 or 30 parts and they've all got different belief systems and they're all vying for control of you. Now, what's this you they're vying control of? <laughs> okay, well, the you is the body at this point. That's all we'll say. What you'll observe as I talk, I talk about the personality as a structure as though it's not me. You'll hear that in the way I'm communicating. You'll hear that I talk about the parts with all the different belief systems. So already you can tell from the way that I'm communicating that I can disidentify from myself. I, I am disidentified with those parts. 
They're not me. They're parts. I can observe these parts. I can observe these parts and what they're up to, which means there's me observing the part. We'll talk about that in a second. Because this is what's required to change. So the all these different parts make up your personality. Your personality is a structure of parts. Your personality is a structure of parts and each of the parts has belief systems. Your personality is structured with these parts that have different belief systems and because they have different belief systems, they have different emotional tones. So when my violent part is in me, doesn't happen very often anymore, I feel like a bull, I can feel the aggression, I can feel uh, like a steeliness might be the way I communicate that, and, a, and an anger, I can feel that. That's how I know that that part is present in me. If the gentle part's in me, I'm relaxed. I, 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 <laughs> I'm getting oxytocin spikes. Oxytocin is the love connector hormone. So when a baby's born, a mother has all this oxytocin flooding through her system and it's the bonding chemical. She looks at her child and she's, oh, he's so beautiful. Well, when I'm gentle, when the gentle part's controlling me, I feel the oxytocin and the dopamine as I look at the people I love and my family. I've got all these warm, feel-good feelings happening. Okay. Both of those parts aren't me, or they are me, whatever way you want to look at it, but I can disidentify from them. So this brings us to the very foundation of change. That's what I said this would be about today. So in the very foundation of change, I need to be able to introvert awareness. What does introvert awareness mean? Okay, it means that I can bring awareness from the exterior world and I bring it within my body-mind. I bring it inside my body and I am observing my body. Now, why would I want to observe my body? Well, my body is my unconscious. My unconscious shows up in my body. So, to be clearer, because I know that some of you listening or watching this will go, well, that, what, what does that mean? Okay. So, in working with the lady today that I communicated before, who grew up in the farming, in, in a farming family, and she's a property developer and a property renovator now, she has done a little bit of personal development work with us, and she can connect to her body. So as an example, I said uh, that one of her belief systems was, uh, I've got to work really hard just to survive. So I said to her, say with conviction, it's really easy to make a lot of money doing fun things. <laughs> and I said, observe your body as you do that. And so she said the words, and as she said the words, and she was observing her body because she's introverted awareness, she could feel her solar plexus get really tight, and she could feel a bit of anger in her belly. 
So she knew that what she was saying and her body's response proved that her body did not believe that belief system. In fact, her saying that made that belief system get triggered and she felt an angry response in her body. Now, why would that be important? Well, again, if I want to start to work with my belief systems and understand myself deeply, then I have to bring my awareness into my body to see how my body reacts because feelings and emotions hit the body. And as I hit the body, because my awareness is there, I can go, ah, what's that about? And this is going to sound strange to people listening who have no idea about this. And we'll talk about why people listening or watching this wouldn't have an idea about it. Because most people don't. But in in introverting and staying connected and seeing and experiencing those feelings, I'm able to go, well, why do I feel like that? Why does that statement make me angry? And you can actually get to the point where you can dialogue with that part of you, that body sensation. And as you do that, it starts to tell you what it believes and thinks. But what you're actually connecting to is one of the subpersonalities, one of the parts. See, your body, body is a biofeedback mechanism. So you can all try this. Say a statement and observe your body. Your body will agree with it or it won't. And you'll feel it contract. Now, we work with a lot of people who can't feel their body. So why is it that people can't feel their body? You can pull awareness out of your body. Meaning, I use the words introvert awareness, which is I'm bringing awareness into the body so I can observe the sensations. Now, I'm highly trained at this. It was one of the first things that I was taught by my teachers. And I did a seven-year apprenticeship that was just astounding and amazing and quite rigorous and hard. My God, my clients have it easy. Anyway, um, in training that, I've been so trained that the moment there's more stress, my awareness goes inside because when there's stress, so that means there could, there's a challenge from the environment, what happens is most people's uh, awareness goes into the threat. They go what we call unconscious and then they're triggered and then they react. And all of you have experienced this. There's no one alive that hasn't experienced this. You're in a stressful situation and then suddenly you're behaving in a way that you don't really want to. But it's just an unconscious pattern, habit pattern playing out based on your belief system, on the way your parts have been programmed. And suddenly you're just reacting. And sometimes you see it. You see it afterwards. You go, I wish I hadn't done that. And then the next time you go and a similar thing happens, I wish I hadn't done that. That's because your awareness wasn't in your body. If your awareness was in your body, you would have seen that pattern starting to unfold and you could make a different choice. But you don't. Now, why? So people live in their heads. And again, this is hard to explain. Probably the best way to explain it is if some of you watching know people that you know are probably too connected to their feelings. And you see someone that's too connected to their feelings. They're just as identified, by the way. Their feelings are coming up and they're, they're, they're very emotional people. They're controlled by their feelings. They let their feelings control their actions. 
Um, and head people look at them like they're nuts, but head people are controlled by their feelings and emotions, but they don't know it. You see, we'll come back to what we were saying before. I'll use a basic example, first of all. If you grew up in an English family from the 50s, in the 50s, <laughs> English families, British families were deeply disconnected from their feelings. You weren't allowed to show uh, personal displays of love, right? Compared to the Italians, by the way, in, in, in Italy, uh, totally accepted to be extroverted and connected to your excitement, passion and love. Grew up in England... Right, and all, everyone's disconnected from passion, disconnected from love. You can't have public displays of it, unless you're rich and eccentric. Then you can be whatever you like in, in Britain. If you're if you're not rich and you're eccentric, you get put in the mental institute in England. But if you're rich and eccentric, you, that's fine. But the normal person, you, no extroverted displays of passion, no extroverted displays of affection or love. Um, don't admit, don't cry, don't show emotion. So kids grow up and their unconscious teaching when the parents were, were, were disconnected from their emotions, it's not their fault, by the way, this is just conditioning. It's kind of Victorian thinking. Um, will be, well, I don't know what to do with these emotions. I can feel all these emotions, but no one in my family is validating them. I cried, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think about English hugs versus Italian hugs. When Italians hug you, oh my God, they hug you. When English people hug you, they pat you like they're trying to burp a baby. That's because they're uncomfortable culturally with expressing passion and love. So you grow up in that environment, you're going to take your awareness out of your body because when you got angry, no one around knew how to deal with that. You weren't validated in that. And by the way, I'm not saying you should have been validated in that, but you get where I'm going with it. If you were crying, your mum couldn't give you a proper hug. Okay, the, the thing was toughen it up. Don't show those, those feelings. So in England, it was all about well, how others see us and sweep feelings and, and don't talk about sex in public or don't have... And so all those things, would be, they used to call it swept under the carpet. Okay, well, if you've grown up in a family where things are swept under the carpet... You won't know how to deal with your feelings. And so the best thing to do is if you don't know how to deal with your feelings is withdraw all your awareness from your body where those feelings live and live in your head. And you'll walk around and you'll be telling lies about yourself. You don't know you're telling lies, but you're just disconnected from what and who you really are because all those feelings are still there You've just realized that you need to withdraw attention from them. Now, the problem with that, of course, is those feelings, they belong to parts, to subpersonalities. And if you're disconnected from all those subpersonalities, you're missing out on the positive aspects of those a subperson, uh, uh, of those subpersonalities. So I'll give you a perfect example of this. No one wants to feel their grief. Who wants to feel grief, right? Grief's a very uncomfortable emotion. So if you are, uh, 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 as an example, uh, a young person and you experienced loss of someone you loved, you would have experienced deep grief. But if your family couldn't feel their grief because they didn't know how to deal with those feelings, you would have repressed your grief. 
And, you know, you might come to me and I might see some grief and I might go, look, we've got to explore that grief. And you go, why the hell would I want to explore that grief? It's just painful. Well, here's the interesting thing about grief. If you explored that grief and got to know that part that's grieving, oh, I'll work backwards for a second. The very fact that you've buried that grief because you don't want to feel it, I just automatically know that you can't express your love properly to people. You can't disconnect from negative emotions, which belong to parts, without losing the positive aspect of that. Okay, I hope you understand this. I know it's quite complex. So if you've buried your grief, you'll stiffen up and you will not be able to express love to people. And they'll feel it. People will feel that you're a shut down person. Okay, not your fault because the environment you grew up in didn't help you uh, understand how to navigate emotions properly. Now, you know, I work with business owners and investors. What's this got to do with that? Well, everything. Because as you disconnect and lose access to the powers of these parts because you are not willing to feel the uncomfortable elements, it makes you less effective with people. You can't build relationship with people properly. You don't understand yourself, so you can't understand other people. You're not a, a master of self. You're not a master of emotional intelligence which you would be if you knew how to work with all the feelings and emotions within your body. If you'd met them all, integrated them all. So, yes, so imagine at uh, 16, you, uh, someone in your family died that was really important to you. Your parents had to bury their grief because they, they, it was embarrassing to cry in public or you, you didn't show those types of emotions, so they had no model for it. You didn't have a model for it. So all of a sudden, you push that grief down. Guarantee, as I said, you'll be disconnected in a relationship. Your partner will know it. They'll feel it. You come to me and I go, oh, let's, let's, let's look at this. We, we, this person may be coming to me because they want to be a very good leader of their team. And I'll say, well, there's this grief there. Well, I don't want to feel the grief. Of course you don't. But if we start to bring that grief up and you're really feeling the pain... Because if it's been buried, that means that what happened back then when you buried it, it still carries that pain within your system, by the way, which takes energy units. So people that are repressing or suppressing or disconnected from parts tend to get tired because it takes effort to push these things down all the time and withdraw energy from them. But if we bring that grief up, we look at that grief, that part that is grieving and will grieve that person that was dying You'll start to analyze its belief systems and it may have made, well, the bottom line belief system of the part that grieves is love. I am grieving and I'm hurt so much because I have so much love for that person. I had so much love for them. They were so important to me. They were so important to me. And in bringing that up, that might be the first time the person's actually even allowed themselves to feel it see it but alongside the pain is this part of it saying i love them so much i just love them so much and so what happens with the right kind of inner work that person as they start to work with that grieving part and bring it back into consciousness in what we call a more integrated form they suddenly have access to their love and the people around them can suddenly feel, well, 
from that grief, the golden grief is the ability to love again, because here's what happens. As that grieving part got pushed down and, and pulled away from, a belief system would, like this would be created. I won't get close to anyone ever again. I won't get close to them ever, ever again, because I don't want to feel this uh, pain. I don't have to deal with grief ever again. And that's part of the defense mechanism of the personality structure based on one of these sub-personalities that's not being dealt with and being pushed down. Okay, so how would this impact them as a leader? Well, all of a sudden, if they did that kind of good quality inner work, they would have access to a greater sense of empathy, compassion and love, which will only help them when they're building a team and working with a family and working with clients, as an example. So, again, just coming back to some key principles in learning to, we learn to introvert awareness. Meditation really helps you do that. It grounds that out because you're constantly learning to control awareness. Bring it into the body, connecting to the feelings and sensations, telling ourselves the truth about ourselves, about what we're seeing and what we're meeting. We start to tell our unconscious something. Really important the moment we're doing those things. We're telling our unconscious that we're really serious about changing. You wouldn't do that, what I've just said, without being really serious about changing who you are. There's a really interesting thing goes on with the unconscious. When you prove to the unconscious that you're serious, it itself, the unconscious, helps you in the transformational process. You'll suddenly have deep insights to self, memories will, will surface. You'll have aha moments. That is the unconscious reorganizing itself because you were willing to go in, observe self, disidentify from self, inspect the different parts, inspect the different belief systems, feel some uncomfortable feelings for a few days as you explored and met some of the things you haven't wanted to see. And then because of that, the unconscious assists you in reframing and in moving. You renew yourself, new forces from the unconscious. I said earlier, if you do that work, you, you start to develop uh, what we call archetypal shifts where other elements from your unconscious start to move through and they give you different skill sets, understandings and powers. The opposite. So to do that, you are actually breaking apart almost your ego structure, inspecting it, willing to critique, willing to understand. And so you're, you're a more flexible person compared to the person who won't do that. And they've still got the same belief systems locking in the same parts that they've had for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Madness. And they don't change. Because they're rigid. Their personality structure is rigid like a cage. So nothing new comes through. You actually watch people as they get older. Some of you know people that, uh, you know, you, they've just thought the same things for 30 or 40 years. And you'll see they, they get old quick because they, they're rigid. So... In, in starting to undo the knot of the ego structure, the ego structure is another word for the personality. 
in undoing that knot, new things come through and we can start to evolve. You'll always meet the judge. So as you start doing inner work, you'll meet the judge. So the judge is a part of you that goes, I don't like myself because I've got that part. I don't like seeing this about myself because this comes back to models of perfection. You've grown up with models of perfection that were sold to you by the people that you grew up with and society in general. And when you start doing inner work, you realize you've got these parts that don't fit this model of perfection. So then the next phase is you've got to awaken the heart. The heart, when it's awakened, goes, I'm doing the best I can with what I've known. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. I am okay with who I am. I've been a programmed, conditioned being. And that's why I behaved and acted the way that I have. Now I'm starting to understand myself more. I didn't mean to be this way and I'm doing my best to change myself in future. That starts to undo the judge. And when you can start to undo the judge and the inner critic and the inner perfectionist, then you can start to move on to reprogramming self. And I'm running out of time. So we're going to probably look at doing how we do that in a, a coming show. But in that undoing of self, the new comes through. It can move. In awakening the heart, the judgment drops away. Once the judgment drops away, you want to see everything within your consciousness. You want to see every belief system. Because once the judge is gone, you're just intrigued, interested. And once the judge is gone, once the critics stop because the heart's awakened, that's when there's real movement. By the way, when, when you beat yourself up, it's actually one dominant part going, you know, your judge going, oh, well, that means that you're horrible and hopeless because you got this part. So that actually locks it in. You can't change when that's going on. It's almost like one dominant subpersonality hates the other subpersonality, and that other subpersonality will go back underground and go to control you because each of these subpersonalities is only trying to, uh, to help you survive from its perspective. So you have to have kindness to self. You have to have a, a love for self as you do this work and not give yourself a hard time about what you're identifying, finding and seeing. And that comes down to awakening the heart. So as you can see from what we've gone through so far that we're undoing, we're starting to critique, we're, we're starting to separate and, and it's actually a state that you reach is an evolutionary state where you are easily able to observe behaviors in the same way that I can look at my hand move. Right now, I can observe this subpersonality trying to communicate through me. At that point, you have far greater control over self than someone that doesn't and can't do that. So let me share an example of how that might work. We'll finish up on this. I just just thinking about say, um, uh, because my observer's in place. If something triggers anger in me, I can feel the anger in my body, and I can observe that anger and go, oh, why are you angry about this? And that part will tell me because you can actually end up talking to the parts 
because of this. Do, 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 do. So at that point, there's the observer, which is awareness, aware of the part, uh, analytical part, asking why this part's angry. So automatically what you're seeing at that point is disidentification. So for most people, that's not going on when they feel anger. They can't disidentify. They can't question themselves or that angry part. They just are the anger. That personality takes them over and they believe they are the anger. That person now has no control. That part will take them over and live itself out. Versus what I'm saying, I could feel anger in my body, observing it. So I'm not the anger. Oh, I'm labeling it. That really helps. Oh, there's anger. Analyst, why am I angry? Well, you know what? I've decided that I don't want to live out my anger. I'm, 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 I want to be loving. Or I want to be kind. Or I want to be more centered. And so once I've observed the anger, named it, questioned it, and this could be in the moment, as someone's in front of me making me angry, that could be going on in my consciousness, and then I'm going to commit to the pathway of being kind and being loving, as an example. And I'll do that. I might have to use will to do that. But as I keep doing that, I'm telling my mind I'm not willing to indulge these patterns any longer. I'm not willing to indulge it. And I'm not willing to indulge it. <laughs> and, and I'm going to indulge this pattern instead. Now, that reshapes neural pathways in the brain. That's a really good way of changing. With our clients in our Ignite programs, we use really amazing uh, audio technology that hits the unconscious on a very deep level and reprograms it. That's joyful and fun. But until the person reprograms, what I've just suggested is a really good skill set to develop. Uh, it, 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 it is a self-mastery uh, approach, by the way. Now, a little while ago, I had a guy... He said to me, well, well, I can't stop it. Once it takes me over, I just can't stop it. It's always a lie, right? <laughs> and everyone here has experienced this. You'll be in a certain mood, meaning a subpersonality has taken you over, and your mother-in-law turns up at the door, <laughs> right? Or your parents or someone that's important to you. And you open the door and you've changed just like that. Now, if you really think about what I just said, you'll realize a lot about the human mind. It actually changes quite quickly if the reason is important enough to you. But for the most part, for most people, it's not important enough. They're more inclined to in, in, indulging the pattern, which keeps rewiring the pattern into consciousness. Anyway, we will continue this in another podcast because I want to talk about re programming finally if you are interested in reprogramming yourself and you've watched this far or listened this far you are i really urge you to do the whole brain wealth course the whole brain wealth course is an absolutely amazing course it's on my website it's really inexpensive um, but it will actually there's no other course like it this course will help you see every belief system 
on the unconscious level, meaning you're not aware of it now, that's stopping you as a wealth creator or limiting you as a wealth creator. So if you've got a, like a, a glass ceiling, meaning no matter what you try, you, you can only earn this income, guarantee it. You've got belief systems on the unconscious level sort of pulling the strings without your awareness. So the Whole Brain Wealth course helps you identify all the belief systems, reprogram those belief systems, teaches you a lot about working with the brain and working with the mind, transforming self and evolving. So again, you're mad if you don't do it. It, it, uh, The price it is, it's just incredible. takes six weeks to get through, um, but you have many aha moments, lots of breakthroughs. And I'll be honest here, if you love your family, if you're serious about wealth creating and giving your family an amazing lifestyle, you'll do it because it is that transformative and you won't get insights like that easily anywhere else. Um, You can also come and do some work with me if you want. So you'll see Breakthrough Workshop on my website. Profound insights guaranteed that will really assist you as a wealth creator, as a business owner, as a human being. You know, we haven't talked about strategy today in the Breakthrough Workshop. I do work with strategy as well as the mind. And finally, go join me in the Inner Circle. Again, on my website, you'll see uh, access to our Facebook group. Actually, it's called Fire Yourself Now because it's about creating a business that runs independently from you and uh, find out what your entrepreneurial gifts, strengths, and weaknesses are. Again, on my website, you'll see just under the homepage, the video on the homepage, you'll see a link to an assessment. It takes about five minutes, and it spits out a report for you that will give you your entrepreneurial personality profile. And there's lots of deep insight in the report about how best to run your business, how best to invest what your gifts are that you should leverage and what your weaknesses are that will have already been manifesting in your business and undermining it. It's that clear cut. You know, <laughs> this is behavioral science. But anyway, go check it out. Until next week, catch up.